Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. We have arrived safely home from the National Religious Broadcasters Annual Convention in Nashville. Andrew, have you gotten any rest? Uh, I got a little rest. I I slept real hard, but uh, I woke up earlier than I wanted to because I can't say no to my nieces and nephews, and they wanted me to go to the Maple Syrup Festival this morning. Oh, my gosh. At Hartman Reserve? Yeah. It was was wonderful. It was delicious. Uh, They tried doing the throw the pancake across the room thing, Oh yeah, and I hit my sister in the head. I had to go to a volleyball tournament early. And uh, so anyway, we got more rest coming, but what a, what a conference we've got an interview right now. Our very last interview, we were literally packing everything up and standing because the table was gone. Everything was gone. Standing there holding microphones. Still uh, everybody as energetic as the first one, like the particular, the interviewees. (laughs) Yeah. So we got Pat Roy and Kyle Justice from awesomesciencemedia.com. And basically they do a bunch of stuff to show how science lines up with what the Bible teaches. Yeah. I studied science in college, not terribly. Uh, I was a biochemistry major for a year. You were? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't terrible. I'm not a rigorous academician, but it was just like. The fact that you used the word academician would suggest otherwise. <laughs> I, uh, but I love science. Yeah. Oh, I have yeah, an inquisitive me mind. Me too. And, and the way that the Lord created things and the order, and it, it's amazing to yeah. me. I remember going to study science, biology, chemistry, physics at a state university, secular university, and a lot of people said, watch out, you're going to lose your faith. And it only enhanced my faith. Yeah. Yep. And that actually plays into this interview because that's oh, what yeah. those guys would say. The more you look at the created order, the more it reflects the glory of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Including uh, his created creatures. Yeah, we've got, which, a, we've got a creature right here. Yes, we have uh, in the booth with us, Macy the podcast dog. Do you want to sniff? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Macy, the podcast dog here, uh, uh, celebrating our return to Iowa. Um, we needed something to spice up the return. We were, had three days of being spoiled with beautiful views and interesting restaurants, and then now we're back in the in the taupe colored walls of our home booth. Um, <laughs> so Macy's helping us acclimate. Yes, for sure. The, this interview, one of the things that we're going to get into is creation in Genesis and young earth creationism and kind of their perspectives on that. And actually yeah. some of the conversation we had moved me a little bit further toward that uh, perspective. I've always been very skeptical of Darwinian evolution. Speciation, I don't think is verifiable by the record, despite what we get taught. Uh, adaptation, which is microevolution, obviously mm-hmm. happens within a species. Sure. Macy's Macy has lot is is a one variation yes. of adaptation. Macy, are you an adaptation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh these guys had some great stuff to say, and I'm glad that we kind of squeezed them in at the end. Yeah, no, I think it's good. I um I I, I love hearing about it. I 
I battle my my personal battle with with young earth and and all of that um is it, there are times where I feel like it gets in the way of talking about Jesus and and where I feel like it's like a okay do we really want to try and and fight this battle do we really want right. to like like this is this doesn't feel as important and yet at the same time if whatever we can do to add credibility to the bible to to right. help to help people who are unbelievers recognize that the bible is true and accurate yep um and and you know what may there are there are absolutely parts of the bible that that i i think are um are are not meant to be literal historical yep um representations i mean obviously there are big parts of it that are poetry and big parts of it that are you know all kinds of different things so I, so i'm i'm not saying that um we should necessarily you know go down go down that rabbit hole or anything yeah. like that but i also think the more we can do to lend credibility to the bible the, i actually asked those that. guys pretty much that question which is and you weren't saying it quite like this but basically what about the people who say hey i just want to believe that jesus lived a perfect life died a sinless death rose again and by faith in him i can be re- redeemed to my creator i just want to do that and not worry about stuff that's way back at the beginning of the old testament yeah and so I kind of said to them, what, what do you say to those folks? Because I've been one of those folks. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think that's an easy hole to fall into. Th- and they have a compelling... Um, yeah. They have a compelling We won't spoil it. You'll, you'll hear it on the... Absolutely. you got to listen to it. So anyway, it's been a great three days. Can you believe it's only three days? It, it felt like 30, but in a good way. Yeah. And we'll be back for more, and there'll be more content here our plan is to put out something hopefully every three weeks we or wanna, so. Yeah, we want to try and go for about three weeks or so, so depending on what we get into it, and, and we'll keep you updated, but keep uh, keep an eye out. Yep. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy this interview with Pat Roy and Kyle Justice, and have a great day. Hey everybody, Matt Reister here with the CC Podcast Conversations. We're at NRB 2022 Nashville, Tennessee, the Gaylord Opryland. I'm with Kyle Justice and Pat Roy. How's NRB been for you guys? Oh, it's been fantastic. This is our second year here. Same with me. Uh, yeah, as an exhibitor. I've been here before as an attendee. And Pat, how long have you been coming here to NRB? Yeah, I think I started 25 years ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, it's my second year. I came just as an attendee last year. And I came, I just became the director of this ministry, and I kind of thought, I'm not sure we're getting a lot of value out of this, and I'm going to go down there, check it out, but probably we're going to pull out, and I actually saw a huge value in it. We learned a lot. We'd been developing some podcasts and some content, made some great connections, and so we doubled down and decided to be exhibitors. Oh, yeah. And I kind of came as an exhibitor going, man, we're getting nickel and dimed on every, <laughs> everything in the world. <laughs> This piece of carpet we rented was ridiculous. Well, yeah. The electricity was ridiculous. Yeah. But I, I think our bias right now, and we're going to take a pause and think about it, but I think we'll probably exhibit again despite despite the financial yeah. investment. Yeah. So uh, what, what are you guys here doing? You're, you're with a couple different things. Yeah. So uh, we are with Awesome Science Media. I'm the CEO of the company. And my background is producing content for big networks like ESPN and National Geographic. I've been, oh, wow. Emmy, been Emmy nominated. My host won an Emmy for the show that I produced for uh, Comcast Sportsnet. Like, give me an idea of what you produced. I'm a sports fan. Oh, well, most of us, you know, like a documentary or adventure programming. So, you know, like 
you know, Monday yeah, night. Yeah, so it's it's science from a biblical worldview. Oh, no, well. I'm talking about what he got. Oh, what he got for. the yeah, 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 yeah. So um, the the Emmy was for a uh, an action adventure kind of reality show where the guy went across uh, you know crazy terrain using all sorts of vehicles from snowmobiles to parachuting. Oh, and, cool. And stuff kind of, and he was geo caching. Oh yeah. Uh, to find a clue to get to the next place, and yeah. so. Uh, that was a show I did for Comcast Sportsnet. That was pretty wild. Was so that's some of your background. So how's that parlayed into what you're doing now? Yeah, well, my passion and Pat's passion is science. Well, it kind of goes further where, where, you know, people, Christians are, are living their lives and they get impacted with a theory of evolution all the time. And, uh, you know, even some people are falling away in their faith because they don't know what to think and they don't know where to go. And they don't realize that a majority of the science is actually being withheld from them that they're not being told the whole picture. And so our job as Awesome Science Media is to present documentaries and even kids shows because kids are being targeted all the time. And so um, our content is not just one show. It's a variety of shows, a variety of series we've been producing for the last 10 years. And now we have our own video on demand platform that features a lot of that content. We've added a lot of other content from other people. It's called AwesomeSciTV.com and over 225 hours of content there. Say what What was that again? Awesome what? AwesomeSciTV.com. S-C-I? Yes, awesome. right. AwesomeSciTV.com. Yes. Yeah, you got it. Yes, exactly. Good. And then uh, we also package our programming for video on demand platforms like PureFlix and Right Now Media, uh, as well as we package it for broadcast networks so they can air it you know, in half hour formats. So the whole evolution thing is uh, a hot button for me because I went to college, I studied science, biology, chemistry, physics, and uh, yeah, I mean, we're just being straight up deceived on that. And I I try to stay out of the young earth, old earth creationism debate, but there's no question that Darwinian evolution is a complete farce. And, uh, And the one place where I get beat up on this is they think that we are rejecting evolution in all shapes and forms. So there's microevolution and macroevolution, speciation. We're against speciation. A, a, a bird doesn't become a fish, becomes a monkey, becomes a human. But there is obviously evolution within a species. There's, uh, but, and we wouldn't call it evolution, we call it adaptation. You got some things to say about that, Pat? Yeah, totally. Matter of fact, Matt, you probably know because it sounds like you've studied this. Uh, there was a gentleman that was alive at the same time as uh, Charles Darwin, who was Gregor Mendel. And Gregor's work showed that there was rules to inheritance, right? And he showed how heredity happened and how we, in, in, uh, how we pass on traits. Well, that uh, work that Gregor Mendel did was in direct um, uh, competition with uh, Charles Darwin, right? Charles Darwin didn't know how traits were passed on. He believed in something called gemules, which have since been disproven. But what happened was Gregor Mendel's work was disappeared for 70 years. Wow. And then by the time Gregor Mendel's work came back on the scene again, people had already uh, believed in Darwinism, right? But they've got a problem now is because uh, Darwin didn't know how to pass on the genes, whereas Gregor Mendel's work showed that there was order to everything and that things were passed on genetically and uh, with all these different rules. And so uh, all of a sudden Darwinists had to come up with neo-Darwinism, new Darwinism, yeah. where all of a sudden now they say that mistakes in our genome, okay, mutations, 
plus natural selection can turn one creature into another. Well, we've never, never observed that before. But what we do observe is that we see a great genetic variety, right? We see adaptation happening all of the time. Uh, there's control genes, but all of it points back to this incredible uh, code that's been designed that allows these creatures to adapt to their situation. But Matt, I always say it's like dice, right? If I've got two dice, I can roll anything between two and 12, right? Yep. There's, there's variety programmed into the dice, but I can never roll them and get a 13 or get a one, right? Because that genetic variety can, variability can only go so far. Ah. Well, with Darwin's ideas, they're thinking that you've got infinite change that can happen, but no, because of Mendel's work, we know that you can get variety, you can get adaptation, but it can only go so far, and it's a totally different mechanism than um, mutation and natural selection. Now I want to ask you a question that's a real popular question among people who don't want to get hung up in these discussions who are Christian, and that is, listen, Jesus came, lived, died, rose again. I believe in him. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. Why do we have to have this argument back here about evolution and Darwin and Genesis? Because that's so far away from the New Testament. It's so far away from the gospel. And just leave me alone on that stuff and let me believe in Jesus. Matt, I am passionate about the creation message. Here's the reason why. is because I realize that most Christians are living their lives like it's just another religion, right? You got your Mormons, you got New Age, you got all that. I just happen to be Christian, right? Yeah. And so they live it out like it's just another faith, right? And they never realize that it's a reality. So listen, the reason I think this is so important is once Christians start seeing that science lines up with what it says in the Bible, it's almost like they go, oh my goodness, this is true. And all of a sudden it's empowering, right? Because they start realizing that it's, it's just reality. And I've seen so many wimpy Christians become strong Christians over this issue, right? And that's the reason I think this is so important. The other thing that's cool, Matt, is it's a great apologetic, right? When I meet an evolutionist and I start asking questions like, how did non-living materials become alive? How did hydrogen clouds collapse down into stars when it dissipates? Yeah. How does mutations plus natural selection create a new creature? And when you can ask those kind of questions where they don't have an answer to it, you know what happens is I think that they start questioning their own faith in evolution, right? And then that opens the door for God to come in and to start changing their life. So I love it, Matt, because it builds up a Christian's faith and it challenges a non-believer. I love that you said that it starts to cause them to question their faith in evolution. That's right. One of my favorite things to do and I've, I've got a couple atheist evolutionists that have been trolling me for 10 plus years. And when, yeah. when, when it starts to really get heated, I just kind of push pause and I go, I commend you for having more faith than me. Absolutely. And, and it makes their heads explode. <laughs> exactly, I do the same thing, Matt. And yeah, matter of fact, I was just having a conversation with an evolutionist just not too long ago. And he said, Pat, I guess I just don't understand how you can be a Christian, how you can believe all this stuff in blind faith. And so I went right back to, hey, um, so how do non-living materials become alive? Really, how does that happen? And the guy goes, well, science doesn't know that yet, but we know it happened. And I said, so you believe something even though you have no evidence for it. I said, congratulations, you also have faith, which means that you have a religion. <laughs> and so now it comes down to, let's talk about whose religion is more based on the evidence, right? Yeah. 
And he stuck around and heard you out, right? Right, exactly. No. As a matter of fact, that's <laughs> not what happens to me. Usually okay. they hang up and leave. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, and I think it's just a great point, right, is it's, it's religion versus religion. And it comes down to Acts 1 because Acts 1 says that they deny the creator, they worship the creation, and since they reject the creation account in Genesis, they have to come up with their own creation account which is big bang, random chance, accidental mistakes creating yeah. the human genome, right? Yeah. That takes a lot of faith, but they would rather believe that than just believe what we read in Genesis, right? And that's yeah. what Acts tells us, or I'm sorry, Romans 1. I always say Acts, it's Romans 1. Tells I know where us, you're at, yep. yeah. Romans 1, 20. <laughs> so so uh, that's kind of the big picture behind why you guys are doing what you're doing. Yeah. And you've talked a little bit about some of the details of what you're doing. What else, what else are you doing? Yeah, well, uh, Pat and I have been friends since about 2012 where we kind of connected and we've kind of followed each other and, you know, what we've been doing. And then in the past three to five years, we've been more working closely where I've been hiring him to write scripts. I mean, as you can tell, he's like extremely knowledgeable and, and wise and how he approaches this whole topic. And uh, so I've hired him to do a lot of my writing for our shows. Uh, but then about, what, three years ago, um, he had an opportunity. He was living in California, and he came up. And I said, hey, Pat, how'd you like to do something on the eclipse? Uh, and we'll do a show together where we host it. And we called it The Creation Guys. And so we've done, like, three documentaries. And then uh, he does a lot of really cool, like, experiments and things you can do with crowds. And I'm like, I don't know if it was you or me, Pat, but it's like, hey, um, what do you think about doing like a live show, you know, where we like blow up balloons, hydrogen balloons and stuff? And what'd you say, Pat? Yeah, so it's called the Creation Experience, and it's 90 minutes of the he audience. Seems has like kind of a crazy, like uh, <laughs> mad scientist <laughs> laboratory guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so we do 90 minutes of the audience doesn't know what's coming next. So uh, we start off with uh, Kyle puts me in a bag, ties me up, tosses me in a trunk, locks it up, okay, and then he jumps on top of the trunk and he raises a curtain up, and when he lets it go, it's actually me standing there instead of Kyle. And then, like he said, we blow up hydrogen. We have uh, the wait, audience. Wait, wait, wait. He skips them. I'm yeah. in the trunk. I'm locked in the trunk. Right. That's After right. He's tied up. Yeah. How'd you do that, by the way? I, I don't know. It just happens. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll never reveal that one. Uh, also, um, we put science experiments under their seats, and the audience pulls out science experiments and does it during the performance. Um, we do um, a game show. Uh, we also um, do a cell phone competition. We toss in some humor. And so, again, the audience just doesn't know what's happening. But during the show, we teach evidence against the Big Bang, evidence against uh, origin of life from just natural chemicals. Yeah. Uh, we also talk about the fact that mutations plus natural selection can't create a human being. And then we end off with, therefore, you were created with a design to serve Christ, and that's why he gave you the gifts and the passions and the desires you have awesome. is to serve him. So, so if somebody wanted to bring this to their church or to their camp or whatever, mm -hmm. you'd go out on the road and do this? Yeah, exactly. We show up with our trunk and all of our stuff, and uh, yeah, we'll do, uh, we'll do that. So we're looking for venues right now. Um, coming up in about three weeks, we're going to be doing a California tour. We're going to be starting in San Diego and working our way all the way up to Northern California, doing a performance every night. If somebody would like to have us come, we don't charge an honorarium. 
You can just ask us to come and we'll show up. We hope to do like a free will donation thing just to cover our costs if we can, uh, but we don't ask anything specifically. And uh, if somebody's interested, they can go to our website, which is thecreationguys.com. You've got to make sure to put the the in there, thecreationguys.com. That's awesome. So when are you doing the Midwest tour? We're in Iowa. Yeah, when you invite us. Okay. Invite <laughs> us, Matt. We'll be there. Where, where are you guys based at? Uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay. Lynchburg. Is that Liberty University? Yeah. That's around yeah. Liberty University. Yeah, is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Lynchburg, Virginia. And what's your background uh, collegiate-wise? You know, I've, I've just been a creation speaker. So, you know, I've been in media my whole life, so it's, it's just a media guy. I'm not okay. a scientist or any of that. I yeah. just... Awesome. Yeah, but when you have a passion for it, it really comes out, you know? Yeah, no it does. kidding. <laughs> oh. so, was I being passionate? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it's thank the, you very much. Say, I it appreciate is what, that. The creation, thecreationguys.com. That's correct. Now, you're doing something else, too, right? Well, I That's mean. That's the media thing we talked about. Yeah, awesomesciencemedia.com is our main website. Um, and then our subscription platform is at awesomesci.tv.com. So that's uh, how people can reach and find out more about our content. And who would be your audience? Like if there's somebody listening, what, like uh, parents who want to teach this to their kids or pastors oh, yeah. who want to teach to their congregations, what? Yeah, I think there's there's two or three of these. One, you know, one big one for us is homeschool families that, you know, that's just been exploding as far as homeschool families wanting to teach their kids, you know, good values, um, you know, science from a biblical worldview. Um, it might be parents who have their kids in public schools and they want to provide tools for their kids uh, to learn more or, or, you know, have a good foundation so that when they hear these things, they, you know, they have answers for that. Um, and then the other section, Pat and I go back and forth on this, but I call it the creation enthusiast. You know, this is like somebody who like just loves science. You yeah. Know, it might be 10 or 20% of the population. Uh, but we, we really feel like most people in the church should, should have a basic foundation of understanding that that science really does support the, their biblical faith. Yeah. Now I want to go down a rabbit hole on uh, creation. Yeah. I this I'm just going to tell you what my personal position has been. Our ministry doesn't take a position on sure. this stuff, but my personal position has been. I tend toward young Earth creationism. Yeah. Um, but I'm not dogmatic about it, and my non-dogmatism shouldn't be interpreted as wishy-washy. It's just that I don't. I mean, Scripture obviously says six days. Right. I feel like there could be some arguments going either way. Maybe hold it with an open hand. Um, what, what I would really dogmatically argue against is somebody who would say there's no way that the earth was created in six 24-hour days. I would say that's absolutely wrong. You can't have that position and believe in the God of the universe. Um, because he, he can do it in six 24-hour oh, yeah. days. That's he could have done it in a day or an hour. Two or, seconds. I mean, yeah, yeah. really. He's, he's God. He's all-powerful, omniscient. Yeah. So just uh, this is maybe just between us, or maybe it's just for people who might be curious like I am. Like, does your ministries, do your ministries take positions on that? Or do you just kind of stick with, we're going to go with biblical creation and not get... Yeah, no, I think we take a pretty strong position that they were literal 24-hour days, um, that it was recent creation. Um, You know, when you get into the the ancient texts and stuff, it really does showcase that it is a real 24-hour day, evening, morning, the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's also interesting is when Moses is being given the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, God goes, he's talking about the Sabbath, but he, yeah, boy, it's... I don't know, they started a monster truck in here or something. I don't know. But in there, God even says, you know, 
in six days, I created the earth. He didn't say, by the way, uh, Moses, I created, you know, uh, in a million years or whatever. He says, yeah. in six days, I created yeah. in order to set a basically a cadence for our six weeks. Six and all, yeah. one off. Yeah. Six plus one off is seven days. You know, it's fascinating is some countries have tried to go to a 40-day week or a 10-day week, and it totally messes with the human uh, uh, wow. clock, kind of. They're, we're used, we're, it's like it's built into us that it was seven days. Wow. So that's one thing. But like you said, God created powerfully. I mean, he's omniscient. So I, I tend to wonder if there's a little creep of naturalism getting into people's minds yeah. when they say, well, maybe it wasn't, you know, but it's like, well, why not? Could God have created using the Big Bang? Yeah, he could have, right. but he didn't. Right. You know, the Bible tells us how he does. In fact, the Big Bang is almost opposite in the cycle of, of you know, how the universe is created compared to what God did. Yeah. So, and Pat, do you want to add anything? Yeah. So, Matt, I would make a case that both scientifically and biblically, and then even as far as significance to the creation movement, the young earth is very important. And here's the reason why, is there's really not an, a lot of evidence for the old earth, right? When I speak to old earthers, I usually ask them for all the evidence, right? And usually it's uh, dating of rocks, all right? So that's based on radioisotope dating. Well, what about the age of layers? Well, that goes back to the age of the rocks again and radioisotope dating. Well, what about the fossils? Well, they date the fossils by the layers, but then that goes back to the rocks, which goes back to radioisotope dating. Yeah. And you know, there are so many evidences against radioisotope dating being accurate. Matter of fact, we've never dated a rock of known age with radioisotope dating that came out to the right age. Wow. And so. I would say scientifically, by the way, there's a, more than 150 examples of things that show that the earth is young. Uh, how quickly the moon is receding from the earth, the amount of erosion of the continents, how quickly salt is entering the ocean, uh, nova erupta, I, I'm sorry, uh, supernova remnants. All of these things show the earth to clearly be young. And so I'd say scientifically, there's a huge case for the young earth. But then the real problem comes biblically is if you believe that there's been millions of years prior yeah. to Adam and Eve, yeah. well, were there things living? Well, a lot of people would say, yeah. Well, that means that things were also dying. Now you've got a huge problem theologically yeah. because you've got death before Adam and Eve even existed. Well, and that perfect. wipes out Romans where it says that uh, death came as a result of sin. And then one last thing is, you asked if our organization held to a young earth. Boy, when you do a, a creation ministry and you don't hold to a young earth, it gets kind of crazy because basically what you're doing is you're subscribing to the whole evolutionary timeline for layers. You may ev uh, reject evolution, but now you've got a real problem because you're still taking that same timeline for all the fossils and the layers, right? And so all of a sudden it really starts to affect your creation ministry because you're trying to hold to all the evidence of evolution and yet trying to say that evolution didn't happen and yet saying that all the physical processes still fit with evolution somehow even though you don't believe it. So it, it starts to get messy really quick. You're giving a shot in the arm of my dogmatism for younger <laughs> <Yay>! creation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who who have been if, if somebody wants to like go way into the weeds on this yes in, in addition to looking at the stuff that your ministry is doing who have been some people who have influenced you in your views on this stuff oh my goodness there are so many scientists yeah hundreds of them but some great organizations to look at would be uh, the institute for creation research which is icr.org answers in genesis yep. which it's answers in genesis.org um I personally, Matt, I've been into this for uh, 25, 30 years, 
and I've gotten to work just like Kyle has. We've both gotten to work with hundreds of scientists that have done some really deep research. The cool thing is, if you go to either one of those sites, you can type in almost any search uh, term, and they've got either lay articles, or you can go even deeper and get into the, uh, the science of it all. And uh, it's really cool that there's so many scientists that have been working on this for so many years, you can go as deep as you want to on That's this. That's right, thing. yeah. I, uh, my first biology class in college, freshman year, professor taught Sunday school at a church in town and he said hey listen I know there are a bunch of people who are Christian here and what you're going to learn in this class is not going to I'm not trying to ruin your faith whatever whatever but he he kind of made this pitch that the the Darwinist viewpoint can hold together with a Christian worldview and I was impressionable and young at that time and I was kind of okay maybe that's true I was a Christian um, but I hadn't really thought through it that hard and I, and I was one of these guys, I didn't ever took my academics very seriously. And just sit in the back of the room, sleep, you know, <laughs> pa- try to pass the test, maybe show up for class. Right. Um, and, and I remember, and I don't remember the exact period, but in this room with 100 or 200 students, and he gets to the point in a lecture one day where there was this certain period in scientific or geologic history or whatever and it was, I forget, I want to say like the crustacean period, but I don't even know if that's a thing. And, and it was like, he was saying that this certain thing happened between 55 and 65 million years ago. And I kind of sat up and was like, wait a minute, did I, did I just hear that right? Because what was going through my mind was, first of all, do you have any idea how long that is? And these people speak with confidence. Yeah. That like 50, I mean, yeah. honestly, I think it's very arrogant to say that I know what happened 55 million years ago. And then the other problem I had was, you're talking about a 10 million year range within a timeline that's only 65 million years long. I don't know what the percentage, like the the margin for error is on that, but it's enormous. And so I just raised my hand, I just said, you know, Dr. Nuss, I haven't really been paying attention that much, but is, (laughs) is, is, is what you're saying that the degree of certainty that we have that this happened is with whatever the percentage of margin of error. I mean, 55 to 65 million years. Yeah. Am I the only one yeah. who just thinks like, that's not a very accurate scientific <laughs> thing. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. so from that point on, I just became kind of a skeptic. Now I, I love science, right? I love science. The stuff that's verifiable and true and that we know is real. Right. But there's a lot of conjecture out there that is taught as truth and kind of my first coming of age in that whole conversation was that day in that class when it was 55 to 65 million years. I was Mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, does anyone else have a problem with this? And it looked like no one did. Right. Well, Matt, you just hit on a huge key because for a year of my life, I worked for Genesis Apologetics, which is another great creation ministry. And what I did was I hung out with a bunch of high school students to find out which students were surviving and which weren't. And then which ones were going on to college and surviving. And you know what a key was? Was students that were in a classroom where somebody asked a question, it changed their whole life because all of a sudden they began to realize that the professor didn't have all the answers. And so just you asking that question might've woke a bunch of other students up. So first of all, I commend you for that. Second of all, you're totally right. You know, I used to be the director at the Mount St. Helens Creation Center. And uh, so Mount St. Helens, uh, Dr. Steve Austin, who's a PhD geologist, took a uh, chunk of the, the lava dome, had it dated, 
Okay, and uh, so the the rock was seven years old at the time. Yeah. That dated to 340,000 years old. And one of the minerals inside that uh, chunk of rock dated to be 2.8 million years old. I've got another friend by the name of Dr. David Shorman. He went to Nova Rupta, another volcano. On the 100th year anniversary, he took a chunk of that rock, had it sent off to a, a secular lab to have it dated. It came out to 5.5 million years old. Matter of fact, we go from volcano to volcano, and Matt, every time we've dated a rock of known age, it's come out to be orders of magnitude off. What would a skeptic say that there may have been minerals in that lava and magma that were five million years old that just got wrapped into that? Is that what a skeptic would say in response to no, that? No, usually what a skeptic will say is it's either um, uh, it's been contaminated or uh, like for the one that Dr. Uh, the Dr. Austin did at Mount St. Helens, they said, boy, the rock was just too young for our equipment to, to operate properly. The problem with that is they're actually doing great chemistry. They're measuring, the way they date a rock, by the way, is that you've got a radioactive isotope that's called parent product that slowly is decaying into daughter product. Yeah. And so they're measuring the parent product and the daughter product, and then if you know the rate of decay, yeah. you can come up with the age of the rock. Matt, here's what I think is going on, is that I think you hit on something. I think that these rocks, as they're coming out of the volcano and they're solidifying, if you could grab that rock right at the moment it solidifies, it's already got daughter product in it. Uh -huh. And so that's what's giving the quote-unquote long ages. But remember, when you date a rock, you're not coming up with the age. You're measuring the ratios of parent product to daughter product. Yeah. And if you've already got daughter product showing up, then your, your ages are way, way, way off, right? Yeah. Now think about it. That's how they date rocks. That's how they date layers. That's how they date fossils. Yep. That's how they date meteorites. So if they're wrong in their assumptions, right. the whole old earth thing is out the window, right? And is, is the decay rate, another question is, is the decay rate constant over all of time? Well, okay, so think about this. That is a great assumption is that it is the same. We've got great evidence that it is. Some, some creationists have questioned that maybe there could have been things in the past that changed the decay rate, but check it out. When it comes to Mount St. Helens, that rock was seven years old. There wasn't enough time for the decay rate to change. Right. Right? So I think it goes even more simplistic than that. I think in many cases, it's simply that there's already daughter product present from the very beginning. There's one more thing, too, is that uh, carbon, uh, carbon dating, you know, you hear this all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And you, they can only carbon date things that were once living. And uh, so they, they, they said, you know, these dinosaur bones are 65, 70, you know, they died off you know, 70 million years ago, right? But carbon, the half-life on it is about 56, I don't remember the exact, 5,600 years? Yeah, right, yeah, exactly, 56,000. Yeah, no. 5,600. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, 5,600. And so by the time 50,000 years rolls around, every 5,600 years, it's it's half the, the uh, decay rate. And so... It's almost undetectable, 50 to 100,000 years, and then they can't they can't discover it anymore. Yet it's in dinosaur bones. It's in coal that's supposed to be 30, 50, 100 million years old. Yeah. It's in diamonds that are supposed to be billions of years old. They yeah. find carbon in there. It should be gone. Yeah. So that really tells you something that I, you know the Earth isn't quite as old as we we think. I saw a Facebook post once, which I actually reposted of a. I'd say in the last three to five years, somebody found a gorilla jaw, uh, uh, supposedly a gorilla jaw or some uh, missing link species jaw. Yeah. 
and they said it was seven million years old. You know, <laughs> like so and so finds a seven million year old fossilized jaw or whatever. Yeah. And so it's like I'm doing the math. Like we have like five thousand years of recorded human history thereabouts, right? Yeah. So uh, five thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So times twenty, take, yeah. take all of recorded human history times twenty. Yeah. That's a hundred thousand years. That is a long time. I mean, twenty times right. all of recorded human history. Right. Like you're getting to a point where I am not audacious enough to be able to say like I have any confidence about what went on a hundred thousand years ago. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Then you multiply that by ten. Now you're at one million, and then you multiply that by seven. And you're at seven million. You got some scientists. God bless them. I lo I love science when it's verifiable and it's undoubtable. But you got some scientists, and then and then the media infrastructure and whoever else jumping on board and just going, of course this this jaw is seven million years old. I just think it's nonsense. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a little no. I was watching a TV movie and they like brought up this rock and they're like, let's go carbon date this rock. And I'm yelling to my kids, you can't carbon date a rock. And so it's like all this erroneous information is out there and they just throw around these terms sometimes. But Matt, you were gonna say something else? No, no, you're, you're totally right. A lot of times people get carbon dating and radioisotope, yeah. other radioisotope dating yeah. confused, right? But you're right, you can't carbon date a rock. And yet uh, when it comes to like dinosaur fossils, they don't even carbon date dinosaur fossils usually because there's no way they would still be there yet. We, we find it, yeah. which, which shows that it hasn't even made it, you know, 50,000 years or so, so. Not only that, but all over the world, they're finding dinosaur bones with soft tissue, collagen, red blood cells, uh, DNA. Uh, wow. Yeah, all these things. And it's not one instance. They're all around the world. And those things should be totally gone. They know that, you know, bio stuff decays very quickly. It's God's design. And yet they're there. It's a miracle that even if, the, you know, the flood happened, it says, you know, three to four thousand years ago, they shouldn't even be there. Even in three to four thousand years, yeah. it's like a miracle they're there. But you know, those things survive sixty-five million. I don't think so. Yeah, it's been great talking to you guys. Thank you, Pat, Roy, Kyle, Justice, and uh, you can go to AnswersAwesomeScienceMedia.com yes. or invite them to your church to do their little show, yeah, which is called what? TheCreationGuys.com. Yep, and it's the creation experience. Would love to come and blow up hydrogen in your church. Love your passion. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks, man. God bless you guys. Matt, you you've too. done a great job. Thanks so much, All buddy. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Right. The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. 
Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.